Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well and I hope you're enjoying the 50 Most Relevant Series for 2023. Getting close to the top 10 now. Have you been able to guess the players that are dropping on the way so far? Number 11, Adelaide Crow, Rory Laird. If there was a single player that could have defined your fantasy season in 2022, it probably was him. But will he do it again for us in 2023? That is the big discussion point. Joining me on this episode, as he has right throughout, not just this preseason, but ever since we started the coaches panel, fellow co-founder, Ritz is on board. Hello, buddy. I had a lot less grey hairs back then, MJ. We all, um, we had a lot more of other things and a lot less of other things. Uh, And this is what happens as we start to hit into these ages and territories of life. I have a teenager, mate. I got two kids in high school, but let's not worry about us getting all that old. At 29 years of age, uh, uh, Rory Led is not on the younger side of the coin just yet either. Although, be, to be fair, compared to you and I, Rids, he probably is on the younger side of life. Uh, some really nice scores last year. His top score in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team is also a career-high score for him now. It's a 163 against Collingwood, while his top super coach score last year was a 156 against North Melbourne. Uh, the career-high score, though, in Supercoach was just two years earlier, back in 2020, also against Collingwood. So that is clearly a career favorite team. An average of 120 in AFL fantasy and dream team means he's got the million dollar price tag across both formats. Yeah, you want Laird this year? It'll cost you a pretty penny. We'll talk about that price point and whether or not that should be a deterrent, no doubt throughout this episode. While in Supercoach, 127.8. Rids, Often, and you know me, I love to run through my stats, and we'll talk about his fantasy stats in a moment, but pretty much in everything, whether it be from disposals, effective disposals, handballs, tackles, clearances, contested possessions, stoppages, score involvements, he was number one, number five. It it felt like he was top 10 in everything because anytime the Crows were moving the ball anywhere near further up the ground, at some point in time, Rory Laird was involved in it. He was everywhere for the Crows and for fantasy coaches last year. And the thing I love about Rory Laird is I've been playing this game a little bit and my favourite type of fantasy, fantasy player is someone who doesn't or isn't seen as impact for impacting the game or the result, isn't damaging. And Rory Laird... He fits the bill. So he sort of almost goes under the radar. He's 40 touches week in, week out. Like, no one really goes, oh, Rory Laird destroyed us today. And he kicked four goals and he did this and he did that. You know, and you think about it in the Adelaide Crows team, there's a lot of those guys, you know. You've got the Jordan Dawsons. You've got the Brody Smiths. You've got the... You know, yeah. all of those guys, um, you've got Rankin in that mix now. Yeah, There's a whole heap of these guys. But it's never really, oh, Rory Laird destroyed us today. So this is why he is absolutely important to our 2023 season. No matter how you go with this, he is paramountly important. 
He certainly is. Look, career-high possession count for him last year, 33 across his 20 games last year. Um, not so when it comes to some other areas of him. Um, is when when you look at his whole season in totality, um, everything about it um, was excellent. Possessions, marks, not career highs, by the way. Tackles, career high. If you break down into his fantasy season and see what he was able to deliver for us in Dream Team and Fantasy, a 120 average across the formats. Before the buy, he went at 112. After the buy, he goes at 128.7. 16 tons, 12 of them over 120. Not one single score last year under 80. Not one. His lowest score for the year was a 90. His top score for the year was a 163. An average of the number one player in the game by rank and fifth in Dream Team and Fantasy last year for total points. In fact, he is 70 points shy of Andrew Brayshaw, the top point scorer last year, but 70 points shy from two full AFL games. Let's talk about his super coach season before I really let Rids through on this one. A seasonal average of 127.85 consisted of a pre-buy scoring average of 122. However, after the buy, he went at 133.8. 18 tons. 14 of them were over 120. A lower score in the season of 93. A top score of 156. The number one ranked player in the game by average. Fifth by total points. And just 150 points shallow of Lockie Neal, who again, he played two games less. Not one score under 90 reds. An incredible conversion of hundreds and turning them into 120 plus scores. There's, there's not really a lot of holes because of what you said. If there's anyone in the Crows lineup you feel like you're going to stop, there are three or four other options. Led, they'll just happily let him rack up the ball. And for fantasy coaches, happy days. Yeah, so let's let's do this. Let's flip this around a little bit. Let's talk about drafts. Let's do that. Okay. okay. And I want you to be the answer of okay. my questions. I hate this. Yes. Okay. So would you whereabouts would you have led ranked in your midfielders in a draft? Just pure mids? Yep, just mids. Where would, would you pick have him, him ranked? I would pick him number one, and I'll tell you why. And I feel like I'm being set up like on a blind date right now. Uh, I would have him there because he has arguably the best ceiling. He's got the highest basement of all our me, premium midfielders. He's got the lowest volatility. He's got the smallest scoring variable at the highest scoring rate. I feel safest with him that he will do and be what he has done for the better part of 51 games. And so you, with your first pick in a draft, you're taking the most bankable, safe, strong option that won't hurt you. And Rory Laird won't ruin a draft season. If anything, he'd just make it for you. Okay, I 100% agree with you, okay? 100% agree with you from a draft perspective. I'm not setting you up. No. I'm just absolutely intrigued. Now what we do is we flip this over to the salary cap formats. Yeah. Why does applying a price tag, and yes, it's it's a large one. Sure, a million bucks in some formats, yeah. And I get it. Like there's other guys that could be representative of value and everything else, but let's not forget – these guys we're selecting as captain options, yeah? 
No doubt. So the same logic you just used in a draft, okay, wouldn't you be using the same logic when it comes to a salary for, um, cap format? Like, And we're talking about captains. So why wouldn't the most bankable mid be your go-to captain option in a salary cap format? Yet, I have not seen any love or very rarely uh, less and less love. And I can tell you now, you've, you've played this game as well. Yeah. The longer this game goes and the JLT comes out and everything else and round ones get into us, this guy, his interest in this guy will go less and less because yes. of his price tag, because yeah. there'll always be a mid-pricer that appears or there'll be some, some other hype guy that comes in. Like Rory Laird might come out and go 40, 50 disposals in his JLT one, and everyone would go, Well, it's Rory Laird. What do you That's expect? what we expect. Yeah. Yeah. And they see Sarong go 120, 130. They see Noah Anderson go 140 and go, Oh, I'll get the same output in exactly. theory. Yeah. And the other thing that may happen with this case as well is the JLT has only got the one game this year. Um, so. The Crows may actually come out, give a good run for Laird types, you know, for the first quarter or two. Yeah, maybe a half, yeah. Yeah, and then go and explore what the kids, you know, blood a bit of kids' time into the midfield, see what Rankin looks like when he goes through it and so on and so forth. So there's every possibility Laird might only play half a game of serious football in this anyways. And then he will go out and get his 60 or 70. People will go, well, that's why you don't pay top dollar. But it's the same logic, yeah? 100% it is. So I'm just actually... And again, I'm a bit bullish on this one because I just think sometimes we overthink situations. Mm. Now, let's flip it back. Sure. My question now is, if Rory Laird is the most bankable mid in the comp, okay, mm-hmm. from what you've just said as well, he's gonna you're going to want him at some stage through the year, yeah? At some stage in the year. The fact that, again, over the past 51 games since he's moved into the midfield, he's averaged 115 in Dream Team and Fantasy, 121 in Supercoach, over 40 tons across that time, just one score under 80 in Dream Team and Fantasy in those 51 games, and just two scores under 80 and super coach. So that is how if, good he's been. If that question then becomes, do I start him or do I upgrade to him? Mm. Now, starting him will then be determined across the board about ownership, about what other mids have got the better draw. Yeah. Um, there's a whole heap of bang for buck, you know? Absolutely. Can I get him cheaper? How much cheaper is it going to be? Yeah. You know, so on and so forth. And we always do this argument year upon year when we go and do it in our starting teams of points versus price. Yes. What is so-and-so? I see 15 points value. Well, I'm going to start so-and-so. Well, this guy's top-end price. But the thing mm. is, he's top-end price because he is the number one guy. <laughs> he is 115, 125, 130 guy, yeah. Yeah, so I just want to absolutely lay this out and I I want people to understand that it's not a decision about, oh, is Laird going to be in my team at some stage? It should be a question about whether I upgrade him or I start him because at the end of the day, I don't think anyone can actually 
argue he's not going to be in the top 10 mids across any format. Well, not from anything that we can forecast and see. Of course, injuries can come. There are unbeknownst circumstances. But again, as you said, Ritz, what we're trying to do at this point in time of the year where we're spending big dollars on players at any position, but certainly in the mids, we're picking a captaincy option that as best we know from the information we have, this player is going to score X. And of everybody we've seen, of both the current Crows narrative and what the past two and a half years has taught us, is he is as safe and reliable and as durable and as ceiling and as high-scoring basement of all of our premium midfielders. Now, this is where it comes really tricky. And for everyone playing three formats, it's going to be a little bit more trickier to negotiate this, okay? Because AF is definitely the outlier of this. This is the ugly stepsister to a degree. And that's because of the weekly price movements in part. Yeah. Correct. Whereas DT, Supercoach, you just sometimes the old philosophy of banking the most bankable guys in your starting lineup um, is the right way to go about it. Now, the other problem I got with this, now, if you want to delve any further, and again, I'm not telling people to start or upgrade or to have lead. People might hate watching lead play, and that's a good enough reason for me not to select him for the year. But, I mean, have a look at their draw. They've got GWS round one, Mm -hmm. followed by Richmond, Port Mm -hmm. Adelaide, Frio, Carlton, then Hawthorne, then Collingwood. That's not seven weeks. Well, it doesn't really you know, scream to me of danger, danger, Will Robinson, not no. to mention that five of those are at Adelaide Oval. Correct. So I'm sort of just trying to lay it out there for everyone so they can make the best educated decision they can. Now, if you believe that Kelly or um, someone else has got more value in them and can, you know, that gives you an extra combination of the sure. second player, by all means, knock yourself out. But as I say, DT and Supercoach is really where you're looking at having the best players for the year. Yeah, and Laird's going to be in that mix. Exactly, not just a subset of that year. Correct. So I'm curious. We've talked about a few elements there as we know Laird at some point is going to be one in our teams. We often see such a big price tag where it's over a million dollars in dream team and fantasy and we we bulk at that because we're like, oh, that's so much. Yet for 20,000 less, we're happy to go get someone else. But but that's a side product along that. The key thing with price point, we've said it a number of times, not just this preseason, but for years. The price only matters if you're trading into or out of a player, once you own a player, their dollar value is irrelevant to you. So will you in Dream Team and Supercoach where the magic number, even AFL Fantasy to a degree, where the magic number is at its highest at the starting point of the season, will Rory Laird in a likelihood of variables be cheaper by round three, four, and five than right now? Probably, Rids. I, I would say probably. It's not out of the equation. We saw the back end of the year where he's gone 130 basically across the formats, but probably. However, the point isn't, will you have him at a cheaper point during the year? The real argument, I would say, is two things. One, is the damage being done before you can get him anyway? And two, are you still spending a crazy amount of money and trades to go and get into lead? 
that really becomes the hard part, doesn't it? Is balancing out, yeah, he'll be cheaper, but can you get him? Will the damage be done? This is where the price does start to mess with people's philosophies of the game. And this is where the second player in the combination, and you've got to look at it That's in right. combinations. So um, it depends what that 100, 150, 200,000 gets you on the second player. Yes. And then whether the points combined are a better outlay than what, you know, Laird and so-and-so would be. Well, could we put so- some names on that to help people? So, for example, is it a Laird and Rosie versus a... Merit and Cornelio combination. Maybe that's yeah. not a great one, but that's the sort of pairing you're looking at. But that's that's sort of similar to what you're saying. Yeah, that's a hundred percent what I was thinking. Like, and it might not be in the midfield either. It can be along a different line altogether. It might actually push you to go and get who you might regard as the best ruck. Okay, mm. let's say it might mean that you can get. And I'll just use hypothetical names at the moment. Darcy oh. Cameron up to Tim English. Okay. Right. So it might be something like Merritt and English against Cameron and Led. Yeah. For instance, that sort of combination. But always think about combinations when it comes to that. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, Where does ownership factor into this decision-making for you? I know often it's not a huge swaying point, but right now at time of recording, he's in about 11% of teams in Supercoach, 17% of Dream Teamers, and 14% of AFL Fantasy Coaches. Should the guy that's coming off the back as the number one player that's in under, you know, a, a fifth of teams... Does that become a swaying factor at all for you or should the ownership not matter significantly as we're making this decision? So the ownership is really a double-edged sword, okay? So if he's got too lower ownership, then you'd be very comfortable to have him to take on everyone that doesn't have him, okay? Mm -hmm. So you'd want to start him in that instance, like if he's only low ownership, so you're actually ahead of the pack about bringing him in. Sure. But if he's got a high ownership of 50%, 60%, whatever it is, then it becomes too risky not to start him as well. Yeah. So it really is a double-edged sword, and it does sway a little bit. So it's all about your own comfort value on how deep your team is, what you expect your team's going to get. But be realistic on this, okay? Because we are talking about a guy who could average 120, 130 in the first month of football and take your season away, and you could be hundreds of points away from them if you're not careful. Because your second guy might be an absolute spud and it becomes a problem. Yeah, it becomes a dilemma. The other element that's somewhere in the mix here is as the season goes on, how do the Crows balance out this midfield? There are two certainties that are there for me. Sam Berry and Rory Laird. They're not moving out of that midfield mix anytime soon, especially when you've got a back line uh, that's got the likes of Duday. You've got um, Miller who has moved back. You've got Brody Smith. You've got Jordan Dawson. There's no need or benefit at this point in time to move Laird out. So now the question becomes, what happens to Keys? What happens to Sloan? 
And then you've got these younger guys that for the sake of the Crows real build really do need to start popping in the next probably 15 to 30 games. Schoenberg, Saligo, Rankin and Rochelle will also get at least some glimpses through the center bounces. At what point, I think we all would believe, Rids, I suppose my question is, the Crows are on the unlikely side of making finals this year. It's not impossible, but it's on the unlikely side of where we think things will happen. At some point in the year, when it gets to that point, or let's make that assumption, Crows don't make finals, whether it be four weeks out, six weeks out, eight weeks out, 10 weeks out, what do you think that means for Rory Laird and how Matthew Nix might coach this team? Because that could impact that ceiling of scoring that we've so loved from him over the past two and a half years. Yeah, but I think it won't. Um, so the real question about this, okay, is what happens if Crows drop out of finals contention? Sure. Because that's that's going to be when it happens, okay, and the question marks that happen. So it's not so much will they drop out or anything like that, but if they drop out of finals contention, um, the earlier they drop out, the more risk there is with lead and the possibility of different roles, um, getting less CBA. Different dynamic around him, yeah. Know? Yeah, but I still don't think they're going to change it up to a point that they're going to absolutely modify everything. I agree. But the problem that we got is I look at Sam Berry and I look at Rory Laird and I don't – I think they play very similar style football. Mm. Um, they're both not real line breakers or anything no. like that. They're not – I wouldn't say either of them set the world on fire with ball use or anything no, like that. Fair. So – I think they're going to probably split their time a little bit yep. in the midfield anyway. So you might find that, a, you know, a Rankin and um, a Rochelle might be in the midfield with a lead. And then there might be Barry and others in the midfield so go, as well. Yeah. You know, I actually don't see keys as an issue at all because I, I think agree. he's going to become a defensive small forward. I know he's talking up that he's going to be in the midfield, but I he's think you're right. Yeah, I just don't see that um, being in the best interest of Adelaide. But who knows? Nix has been crazy before, and I'm no doubt at all he's still he, crazy. He wouldn't be the first thing. I know some people look at some of the ways and columns he scored with, 33 possessions, eight tackles, and they're going, MJ, that's not sustainable. Well, hang on a sec. He was getting 32 and 33 possessions in the half back five or six years ago. So the possession column, don't be so worried about. Eight tackles a game, that's career high, that's not sustainable. Yeah, but he didn't have career high mark numbers either. Just the year prior, it was 3.7 marks in 2021. So anything he gained by tackles last year was lost by the offset in the diminishment of marks. So I wouldn't be too concerned about the a career high of something because even an average of 33 disposals or possessions, it's a, it's a good number, don't get me wrong. But it's not an insane, unsustainable number either. Yeah, but I mean, let's look at it from a fantasy point of view, Rodio. Um, we're not talking 130, 140, you know, we're not talking anything no. ridiculous. Like, and we've seen years gone by with Ablett and Mitchell and a few others. Rockliffe, Rockliffe, up there. Yeah. You know, these guys have been able to do that. Now, I don't think Rory Laird will ever hit those numbers. But, I mean, I don't think it's out of the realms of possibility that he's pushing 120, 130 across the game, especially if the Crows do improve as a yeah. unit. 
yeah. like and then like and you know yourself, MJ. Like when you're watching football, um, if teams like the midfield unit become a little bit more cohesive and mm-hmm. work together a little bit more, then there is more contested ball. There is more tackles. There is more. You know, there is the ability for these guys to actually improve a little bit. Like, yeah. And whilst I agree with you, I'm not saying he's going to come out and absolutely make a massive jump. But no, I mean, no. you're not selecting him for value. No, that's gosh, not no. what he's. You're selecting him for a point outlay. Now, if you think he's going to average 110 plus, he's in the top three or four players in the comp for the midfield that is going to average 110 plus from how yeah. I look at it. And yeah, of course, there might be 10 at the end of the year, but I mean, sure. we're still talking about the top echelon, yeah? Yeah, and we're talking about a guy that's got probably the best basement of all our premiums in the game and his conversion of hundreds to captaincy level scores is as good as anyone over the past two and a half seasons. He comes at a big price tag, but it's not because he's not warranted or worth it. With Rory Laird, what you pay for is what you get. If you're not starting him, you're hoping for some things to go your way and you can pocket him at the right point in time. Because if you don't start him, he's on the upgrade list. But if you do start him, you know but the headache of trying to get Rory Laird into your team is one headache you don't have to worry about. And sometimes that can be enough to just go, I'm going to eliminate risk. I'm going to eliminate stress. I'm going to be solid. And I know that if things go my way, I can create some early separation from the pack. And the interesting thing about it is if you start with them, okay, you don't have to plan to how to get them. The live, you got them. And then... There might be a blanket over 10 guys that you like at M4 or 5 or 6 or whatever. Yeah. And that gives you a bit of time to evaluate and get more data and work out who you actually want to fill those spots in your lineup. So I would be suggesting to people when you're doing your starting lineup to absolutely lock in the best options for your team. And I'm not okay. saying the best player on this. I guess I keep saying, and I want to emphasize this again, it's the combination of the team here. Correct. Like good advice. the best option for your team who you feel will be in that top echelon of mids or forwards or backs for the year that you're going to want anyway at some point. Yeah. And then you just don't have the headache because like, I don't want anyone sitting there cheering for someone to be tagged or no. injured. Or like, I mean, that just doesn't make sense. No. Like, and but you don't want to be cheering against someone who has you're fully aware is got massive ceiling, and you don't want to be cheering like, like feeling sick because <laughs> you don't own them when they hit one of those ceiling marks. You know. Yeah. But again, it's all about balance of the team and making sure that everything's there. But this is the year. And I've said this many times across the board. This is the year where value across multiple positions and lines is actually allowing everyone to go, you know what, that guy's worth a lot of money, but I can actually fit him in this year because I can take a pay cut on this position, you know, whether it's a McLean, whether it's a McKenna, whether it's whoever it is, Hopper, Warple, whoever it is, you can take a haircut there and still cash in that captain option. 
I think that's a really nice idea. We've kind of already talked about drafts in being likely the first midfielder off the board. Rids, you made this interesting comment one of the last times we spoke to you. I think it was on the Stephen Cornelio episode where it was talking about you could build a case and a narrative that the first three people selected on draft day were those kind of the elite three forwards that we're looking at in Cornelio, Taranto and Dunkley. Um, this is more a draft structure question or strategy rather than is led the number one mid taken. I suppose the question is, if that is the case, that those three forwards are the first three players picked off the draft in this narrative, do you at pick four? Go in English at Ruck? Do you go a Doherty, who we think will be the best defender? Or do we lock in the mid? I know there's a lot of unknown variables in this scenario, so it's not a setup. But if the three top forwards are off the board and you're at pick four, are you going Laird? Are you going Doherty? Are you going English? So I'm not going to give you an absolute answer. But sure. the thing is, okay, I'm going to talk around this. Please. You've got... And this is more taking the name out of it. You've got English who can find an injury at some yes. point in time. He may or may not be the number one ruck for the comp, but he's definitely in the conversation. Yeah. You've got yeah. Doherty, okay, who's coming off a very interesting year, had a role yeah. change mentioned um, all preseason. Now that Zach Williams has gone down, we, we're still yeah. a bit up in the air, whether is a Markov coming into Carlton? Is there one? Are they going to give a kid like Cohen a chance in that yeah. spot? What? How does that work? Are they going to push Doherty back to that half back flank? Are they going to keep him in the midfield? Okay, until Walsh gets back at the very least. The one person you don't have any questions about in regards to this is Led. Yeah. Like you said it yourself, man. Like there's going to be questions if. Adelaide fall out of finals contention. There might be a few conversations, questions or whatever else, but he's still going to go at a decent enough clip. Yeah, I agree. So I think I would actually go the mid in this instance. Yep. Again, I'm not going to say definitely with the names or anything, but I would probably go for the mid or the player that I feel more happier about taking as my first round selection. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, Rids. Uh, you've given us plenty to think about through not just this episode, but throughout the preseason. So thank you again, my friend. Easy as, man. You may hear from me again. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, there are only 10 players left for us to get through. If you're going to and look back at the past 40 players that we've had conversations about, all of the articles are online at coachespanel.tv and wherever you're streaming or downloaded this podcast from is where you can go back and find the others from. In a moment, I'm going to give you a quick clue about who's coming up next in the 50 most relevant. But if you are loving what you've got so far this preseason, the good news, it's only just starting now that the games are really fully firing up and the intra-club and the practice games, let alone the preseason games, are about to get underway over the next couple of weeks. If you are loving what you've got, we'd love you to become a Patreon supporter for just a couple of bucks a month. It helps us do everything we do and fund the work here at the coaches panel so if you are loving it a couple of bucks a month we'll kick you some extra content access to some hidden groups some exclusive articles and podcasts and a bunch of other great things the links to join our patreon supporter group you can find at coachespanel.tv number 10 is a very interesting player so we had to get a special guest on it 
the dude that's won AFL Fantasy a couple of times and his first year of super coach, Selby of Marrera's Magic. He's going to be joining us on the podcast to talk about the player at number 10. In his line, he's undeniable value. He's had incredible, incredible scoring runs for numbers of seasons. And he could define the success of your 2023 season. He's probably a lock for the top four or five in his line, but is he a lock in your starting or your upgrade? That is the question. Who are we talking about? I'll tell you tomorrow in the 50 most relevant.